everyone and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Mates. Uh, well, we're through the unofficial practice matches. Um, most sides, uh, every side obviously play one now. So uh, what we're going to do in this podcast is we're just going to go through some of the top scorers um, and whether or not we should be considering them. Uh, some players that surprised us or perhaps disappointed us and... Uh, if there's any rookies that have shot into calculation for round one. So we're just going to do this game by game. Um, so it's not, I'm joined by Thomas. Hello, Tom. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, looking forward to round one, which is only about two weeks away, which will be good fun. Yes, it's only, I think it's uh, at the time we're recording this, I think it's 15 days away. Yeah. Um, and we've also got Jonas here tonight. Hello, Jonas. How are you going? Uh, a bit mixed, obviously upset about uni starting, but... Also came to see some more real football. Yeah, so uh, obviously the the nine matches played last week, a um, little bit of an odd structure for some of the matches. Um, some sides played six quarters, some sides played eight quarters, some sides played uh, their AFL matches for one half, some played their BFL for the other half, some did a mixture of both, so... Um, obviously, these matches were only on KO um, exclusively. So, did you guys happen to watch any of the matches on KO or were you not able to access them? Um, Tom? Yeah, well, myself and Jonas went down to Icon Park on Thursday, which was pretty good fun to watch St Kilda play their pracky game. Um, but I ended up using a free trial and I, I saw a little, I was pretty busy over, the, over that weekend, so I didn't see too many games. Um, but definitely saw a couple, and, and KO's got the whole, uh, what do you call it, the replay stuff. Um, it's pretty pricey, full price. I didn't didn't buy the full price, but yeah, 14 days free child sorted me out nicely. Um, how yes. do you, Jonah, did you see anything yourself? Yeah, I saw a few games, particularly early on, but yeah, similar to you, used the free trial, so that was handy, but also a bit busy on Saturday and Saturday night, so I wasn't able to catch every match, but you hear whispers and stuff like that. So I feel like you don't need to watch every second of the match to have a good indication of what's been going on. Yes. Uh, um, and obviously, um, I know you guys said you went down to the St. Carlton St. Kilda match. Unfortunately, I was unable to get down there with them. Uh, obviously, work commitments uh, didn't allow me to go down. Um, but how was the game? How has it just been back in a, in a like, atmosphere again down at Icon Park, uh, I'll throw this to any one of you. Which which, which one are? Yeah. What's the answer? To this. Yeah, I mean, I'm a secure supporter, so it was yeah, pretty pretty good to go back down to to live footy. I haven't been since obviously last year. Saw a couple matches and then got shut down with COVID, and obviously before basically nothing. So it was good fun. Pretty pretty busy. Um, when me and Jonas came down, it was about I don't know 500 odd people. It was maybe a bit exaggerating, but. Yeah, it was pretty full. Um, I think one one half of the stand was chock a, chock a block with Carlton supporters, so it was nice to see Carlton fans come out to see their team win a premiership. But you know, we'll see how we go. <laughs> yes, yes, I I think Carlton supporters. Are, I, I think I read somewhere that Carlton. Are, oh no, the way that was another side. Never mind. Um, <laughs> So anyway, um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go through each of the practice matches um, and we're going to go through the top five scorers, um, whether or not we should be considering them. Um, 
any other players who surprised us and uh, any rookies. So uh, we'll start off with the first game, uh, which we've got here, uh, which is Essendon versus the Western Bulldogs. Um, so top five scores here, um, McRae 126, Dunkley 124, uh, Snelling 120, Dale 120, and McGrath 115. Um, uh, any love for any of these five? Uh, Thomas, what do you think about those five? Um, obviously, McRae and Dunkley pick themselves. It's good that they're still scoring like 130s. Dunkley, especially considering his role, was, was a little bit suspect towards the end of last year and scored 60s, but he's back to his form, which is good to see. 124, he can't complain. Um, Snelling, obviously, is not really relevant. He probably just went bonkers with a few few goals here and there. Dale and McGrath. Dale, you know, is a good good upgrade target, as we, we've spoken about. Um, in previous previous podcasts, especially with the Dogs podcast. And McGrath is an interesting one just because of the midfield role. He, he potentially accumulates and, and halfback stuff. And if he gets defender eligibility, if he's scoring 115 against the Dogs outfit, um, it's pretty good. But I'll throw it to you, Jonas. Um, obviously, your main boy, Parrish, wasn't listed in the top five, obviously because he only played three quarters. But what are your thoughts on, on generally that top five and obviously the guys that you might, might be might be relevant, say like a stringer or something that, that obviously didn't play, but guys like a parachute, obviously outside the top five bracket. Yeah. Um, so some of the scores were obviously distorted because some of the players, including Parish and Bond and Pelly, played limited minutes. But from what I saw, McGrath definitely put his hand up as a potential option in defence come round six because I think he'll be playing a fair bit of time down on a back flank. And as for Parrish, I believe he scored 95 with three quarters. So that's nothing to scoff at. But yeah, that first quarter in particular, he was attending almost, if not every centre bounce. So that was positive signs considering Essendon had their full strength mid midfield apart from Stringer, who I don't think will get that much mid-time mid anyway. And then as for some other names, yeah, you can't go past McRae or Dunkley. They perform pretty comprehensively and as you'd expect them to, and then with Bond and Pally, he was slightly underwhelming. He still scored, I think it was 60 and a half, which was pretty good. But he also spent a bit of time on forward and kicked a goal. So that sort of inflated his score. So was I'm not as hot on Bond and Pally in particular as I was earlier on, but Parrish didn't set a foot wrong. So one to watch over next week and see how he goes. Yeah, um, so I'll just give my thing. So obviously I've had... um. I've had um, McRae in my side the whole summer. Um, I don't think I'm going to get rid of him. Um, I have no reason to get rid of him after his practice match. So um, I'm definitely going to uh, keep him in there. Um, I think one that surprised me, so I'll just jump ahead here. I think one that surprised me, obviously, uh, Will Snelling. Um, I definitely don't think he's going to score 120 every week. Um, so I think that's... Um, I think that's a trap if you're going to fall for that score. Um, but I think all the other four, I can see maybe they're not going to average, you know, like these scores over the season. But I think I like I can see McRae, Dunkley, Dale and McGrath all sort of averaging over that 90 to 100 point mark. Um, so I think those four may be worthy of a pick. But, yeah, I wouldn't be going near Will Snelling. Um, so... Uh, Thomas, was there any other player who surprised you from this game? 
Other than Will Snelling. Really, really watch it to be fair. Um, had better things to do. Fair enough. Wednesday, Wednesday, Arvo. But yeah, I mean, they, they kind of picked for themselves realistically. There was not a real surprise package, even looking at some of the replay afterwards. I know Jamari Guhagen, I know Jonas mentioned, um, pretty average. So the dogs kind of third forward lines looking grim. But um, Jonas, have you got anything else to, to add to that one? Yeah, one name that really stood out. Um from the Essendon side in particular, was a young fellow called Tex Wanganin. I think he came on in the fourth quarter and scored something like 30 to 40 points in one quarter alone, and that got him a spot on the list. So I think he's basement price forward rookie. And with the stocks looking thin in the forward line, one definitely just to slot into F8 and hope he can generate some sort of money because he looked pretty good in the one quarter he played. Bit of a... uh, um... Let's see now, Marlon Pickett there from uh from Wanganin there um at, at um at Essendon, um so any rookies from this game which have shot into round one calculations, um uh, Jonas, I'll throw this one to you because I think you're sort of a bit more on top of the rookies uh, than what we both are. Um, so did any rookies shoot up into contention for you, Jonas? Yeah, obviously there was Tex Wanganin, Ben Hobbs was one that you can probably write off your boards because he didn't play much time. I think he came on in the fourth quarter and that's sort of an indication to me at least that he's not in their best 22 at the moment. So probably one I wouldn't consider. And then there were a few basement price rookies like Arthur Jones, who I don't think played too bad of a game, but one just to monitor because he'll be trying to buy for a spot in a team that's quite strong. And other than that, there weren't any real rookies that stood out to me. So just Wanganin and Arthur Jones. Were there any that stood out to you, Stunnen? Uh Not really, to be fair. Um, I know Tex Wanganin got a spot, obviously, in Supercoach, which is pretty pretty handy um, come round one when you're looking to, to make an extra buck or two. Like, um, I know if you compare him to, say, Corey Durden from, from Carton, who will come on next, um, he's like a 143k player. If if Wanganin plays early, then you know you're saving yourself 40k for a similar price player. Um, so I, yeah, this game was was really kind of as long as the top echelon of players, you know, did through as they pleased. It was it was pretty okay. So um, yeah, I guess we'll move on to the Carlton and Kilda one. Yeah, I just touched on this as well. So one name who we didn't mention, uh, Darcy Parish. Um, so he did play. Um, he only got 94. Um, are we gonna just bit bit of a uh, off topic here? Um, are we going to wipe that score out and still pick him? Uh, Dunk uh, Parish, yeah, um, I, I think, just both of you, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't see you know, there's no worry in a sense to, to not pick him. Um, so I wouldn't be, I would definitely wouldn't be too concerned, um, about Parrish. He played three quarters and he went gangbusters in the first quarter. So obviously it would be nice to play four quarters and see what he finished on. If he does have a tendency to fizz out, for example, if, if that's something that is, is of concern. Um, but for sure, you know, I wouldn't be, definitely wouldn't be too concerned. Um, and next week's could be a good indicator, um, for sure to see how he goes. And if he plays four quarters, I'm sure he'll score 130, 140, no problems. Are you the same, Jonas? Yeah, oh, I, I think, think you've got Paris going. Yeah, he showed enough for me. Um, the only real concern is the tag, which obviously the Bulldogs didn't implement clearly. 
But the fact he was able to play pretty much every centre bounce when he was on the field shows to me that he'll play predominantly midfield and pinch hit up, pinch hit up forward. And he also has the capability up there to kick a few goals. So one that's certainly in consideration for my M3 spot, considering he's handy 50 to 60K cheaper than some of those other more popular options. Yeah, and just one more name here from this game. Uh, so Jordan Ridley got 104 as well in the back line. Um, so I think he's firming to be a really good pick um, down in the uh, down in the back line there. Um, so we'll move on to the next game. Uh, so Carlton v St Kilda. Um, so obviously the, the guys, so Thomas and Jonas, both went to this game. Um, so some top scores are the... The, super, the champion data elite player in Jack Sinclair, uh, 121. He was the top scorer. Uh, Jack Steele, 115. Uh, Adam Chera, 108. Matt Kennedy, 107. And George Hewitt on 99. Um, obviously, I'll throw out Steele because I think we've all got um, Jack Steele in our sides, um, or at least we've considered him. Um, are you going to consider any of the other four in your sides? Uh, I'll start with you, Jonas. Uh, any of the other four other than Steele? I think the only one from those five would be George Hewitt. I was looking at him pretty closely and he attended pretty much every centre bounce when he was on the field. And so clearly he has the avenues to scoring and I don't think he'll be playing anywhere away from the midfield. So that was something that really appealed to me. The only issue was, I'm not sure how he, how, how, how much mid-time he'll get and how he'll score when Sam Walsh comes back. So that was one concern for me, considering Walsh would be back, I assume, somewhat early on in the piece. And so picking a player without knowing how their role is going to be impacted so early on in the year is something I'd tread lightly with. But in saying so, he's under 400K and he's a defender playing predominantly midfield. That's something that's hard to look up on. So I think if he puts in a really good performance this week and scores, say, 115 plus and doesn't leave the midfield and he's on the ground for 85% of the game, he'll be someone that I'll look to get him because he's got a pretty easy fixture to start off, start off with. I believe they play... Let me just quickly have a look. Richmond, obviously, round one who leaked points. And then he'll play... Bulldogs. Bulldogs, who don't tag. Hawthorne, who are pretty easy side. Gold Coast. Port Adelaide's a tough one. Fremantle could be tough. North Melbourne's pretty easy. Adelaide. So he's got a pretty easy run. So that's something that could play into Hewitt's favour, given the fact he also has a round 12 bye. So there are many favourable things to Hewitt. But in saying that, I'm only running three premium defenders at the moment. I'm not sure I'd be willing to drop one of those and run two premiums and then one mid-pricer in Hewitt. So if I can find a really good avenue to use that, say, 120000 that I've saved from going down to Hewitt, I'd maybe consider it. But I'd have to, I'd have to be very convinced that he's going to be near the top six mark in terms of defenders for me to be able to even consider doing that. Is Hewitt someone you're looking at, Tom? Uh, yeah, he's one that uh, potentially, you know, could be selected. Um, he's one that, you know, 
if I can maybe upgrade from Keenan Coleman if he doesn't impress, he's definitely on the radar. We were both were at the game obviously on, on third last Thursday and he definitely impressed. He we were pretty much on Hewitt watching the first first half and he seemed to get the pill anywhere he went. So oh that's you know, you gotta take his consideration that's a that's a midfieldless Walsh. Um so that could change, but I don't think that his role I can't see him going forward, for example. He could, or he could go in the half-back line when, when Walsh comes in, but I don't see him being the one that gets dumped out of that midfield role. I think someone like a Chera might go to a wing. Um, definitely he's a dam- damaging wingman. Uh, but other than that, I think, you know, being a Sinclair supporter, Sinclair's definitely one to watch. I know I'll probably get a bit of kick for it um, in general, but Sinclair's definitely one that didn't surprise when he scored 121. Um, obviously against the Blues, who kind of leak points to our, to any defensive team, because um, I like you know sharing the ball around and, and letting the opposition team get a lot of the ball, but Sinclair's one that that definitely wasn't surprising, um, and definitely is you know leaps and bounds into to his improvement as a, as a player, and if he can get definitely more of that pill um, across the half back, he'd be really damaging. It'd be nice that St Kilda had a consistent player taking kickouts, and that was him, but. Obviously not to be with St Kilda, which we we share the um we share the ball quite a lot, but we know one twenty one is obviously in a pracky game against Carlton, and I think I heard somewhere it might have been JD mentioned it somewhere um that he tendency of halfbacks to score quite well in these preseason games. I mean, look at Short and he goes gangbusters every preseason, so that's obviously one to take note of. But yeah, Sinclair is definitely one that. It's probably more of a draft option, but classic, you know, who knows? There's, there's more crazy things have been done in the defence. But what are your two cents worth on that, Nathan? <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, look, I don't think I'd be considering any of these four. Um, I, I, I wouldn't... I think, I think I'd support what Jonas said. I think if, if I knew... If I had the confidence to pick Hewitt as a defender who was going to stay in the midfield... Um, I think I would perhaps consider that, but um, I just don't think he's going to stay there once Sam Walsh gets back in that midfield. So, um, obviously at $399,000 um, is a little bit of a red flag if he's going to get probably pushed out when Sam Walsh um, comes back in, because obviously if you're paying that much, you'd want them to be a keeper. Um, so... Uh, any players from the games that uh, from that game that uh, surprised you or disappointed you? Um, I'm going to jump in here um, for my first one. Um, someone who really, really disappointed me uh, was Jay Gresham. Um, I'm just waiting on him now. So he only got 41 points, um, which at nearly $300,000 is not ideal. Um, and he only attended two centre bounces, um, which I think a lot of people were picking him, expecting him to sort of get that centre bounce attendance a bit higher than two. Um, but he was my disappointment um, from that game. Um, Tom, do you have someone else who surprised you or disappointed you from the game? Obviously, you were there live, um, so you might have a little bit more of a live opinion on this one. Yeah, Gresham, um, it could be load management, which is a real possibility. Obviously, coming off an Achilles injury the last time, it was chucking him midfield 100% of the time, and, and he falls to pieces with another injury. So definitely one that I, I keep a close eye on the next JLT against Essendon, uh, you know, 
a strong opposition again um, and definitely someone to keep an eye on if he gets a bit more midfield time because he definitely looked to score quite well. It all went into his hands quite a lot when he was in mid. It was just because he got pushed forward a fair bit and, as I said, it could be a load management. But someone that's also quite interesting that me and Jonas took note of um, was uh, Mitch McGovern, I think it is, uh, from... Oh. Yeah, the big gov. Um, we were on gov watch game. Um, basically played a half back role, but but not only a half back role, but a plus one role pretty much. So which meant he really didn't have an, a direct opponent. So he was floating in and taking set marks. Um, we even took a few kickouts, which was nice, and I think he ended up on on seventy odd points, which was is not terrible. Um, and someone that you know would be quite nice to have if he maintains that role. Obviously, it's be something Doherty's meant to have pretty inspirational comeback into round one. So if that's the case, you might be a little bit careful. But he's someone that, you know, is, is, is another player. And we'll, we'll speak about Paddy McCartan later on. But he's someone in that mould where he's played a lot forward um, but can read the play extremely well. So he's a really talented footballer with regards to reading the play. And if he can clunk a few intercept marks, he was basically, a, you know, uh, getting through the chains of the Carlton, of the Carlton movement um, down 50 and moved forward as well quite aggressively. So he's someone that, that I'd definitely keep an eye on for sure. Um, Jonas, do you have anyone from that game? I would have said McGovern. I think the only other one, he's a rookie who seemed to impress. I didn't notice much of him because I didn't really know who he was, but <laughs> hearing afterwards, people were quite impressed with how Corey Durden went. And so that's pro- he's a forward rookie at 143,000. So one I'd keep in mind. And other than that, no one really caught my eye that particularly impressed that we haven't already mentioned just Durden as a potential rookie. Uh, okay, well, that was going to be the next question. Uh, any rookies other than Durden who we should be considering? Uh, I might go to this Jonas for you on this one. Uh, yeah, did any rookies other than Durden? Although Sam Hayes or Jack Hayes, whatever his name was, yeah, it's yet to be signed, but yeah. Yeah, he played in the last quarter and did a few good things, but nothing overly compelling. One to maybe watch if Ryder doesn't play and he actually gets signed. Other than that, no other rookies, just Durden and Hayes were the only ones that could potentially get round one spots. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Thomas? Yeah, not really, to be fair. I mean, Jack Hayes is a potential to, to be quite prominent if 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 Ryder doesn't get up round one, for sure. Um, but to be fair, we didn't really blood any. We had Wangani Malira, Win Hager, Oscar Adams and, and Machida Owens who all didn't play. So obviously we were trying to get somewhat of our best team out in the track. I mean, we still didn't have Tom Highmore, Dean Kent, uh, Hanabry, Ryder, uh, Dougal Howard still wasn't on the park. So there was a fair few that are actually missing. Some of them, granted, weren't in our best 22 last year through injury or, or form. So, yeah, I don't think those St Kilda rookies aren't going to get much of a look in. Our best bet, I think, is, is Machida Owens or, or, um, or Wangani Malira for sure if they make a, a berth against Essendon in the, in the JLT match. But that's yet to be seen. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm just going to add a couple more scores here and then we're going to move on to the next game. Uh, so Charlie Kuno. Um, only got 47. Um, it says on here, had a slow first half, but it picked up in the third quarter. Um, so I think at that price, I think 47 points is probably okay. 
Um, but I think he's someone who just see how he goes in the in the community game that they play um, against Melbourne and just see how he goes there. But I think he's sort of firming for some people. Um, and the other one, uh, Patrick Cripps, uh, who's only 450000 this year, got 98. Um, so if he's back to his best, um, which I'm not sure if he is, um, I think his body's a bit worn out. But if he can get back to his best, um, I definitely think at 450000 that that can be a bit of a bargain there. Um, so moving on to the next game. So we've got the uh, Premiers versus the Wooden Spooners and they definitely showed their golf um, in their practice match. Um, so top five scores. So Max Gorn, 138. Uh, Clayton Oliver, 123. Zebel 114. Salem, 111. And James Harms, 108. Um, I'm going to jump in here first. So I was... Really, really disappointed that Christian Salem got 111. Um, the reason why, because I think I flouted him on our Melbourne podcast as a bit of a point of difference down in the back line. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to jump on now um, after that 111. Um, so that's sort of uh, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know what you call that. Uh, but anyway, um. I'll throw to you, Thomas. Um, so did any of these ones surprise you or um, uh, have you got any of them? I, I presume you've got at least a couple of these guys, so the top five in your side. Um, yeah. So Gorn was an interesting one. Obviously, you know, there's been a debate between him and, him and uh, Darcy as that kind of R1 spot. Yeah, his score is definitely impressive. 138 is a pretty big score in, in North Melbourne. But you do have a ruck, so it's not like a ruckless team. Um, having said that, I think he scored four goals, so it was definitely inflated by that. And unfortunately, there was still that that pretty significant gap between him and, and Jackson with regards to ruck split time. So it made it a bit concerning that if he doesn't score four goals, obviously he scores below 100. Um, so it's one to definitely keep an eye on if he... If he plays, obviously, JLT, which he should, and, and, and see the score then. Oliver's fit as a fiddle. I don't think you definitely can't be wrong in selecting him. I'm I'm trying to get him back in at the moment. I think he's one that I've regretted in the past not having, and he's definitely one that's, that's probably brought his game to another level, which is great to see. 123, maybe a little bit unders for what he put out, so that could you know potentially mean that... Uh, you know, if that if that's a problem with with high scores, but I think it's just Oliver in second gear pretty much the whole game, and and the other's not really relevant. I mean, Zeevil, the only reason why he's scoring so well is Hall wasn't there, um, so he's pretty much a general. Yes. Injuries and and the guy can't kick really that well, so I would avoid. And and, and Salem's an interesting one. He's a he's a POD for sure. A few people may jump on him after seeing that score, but I don't think too many will. And Harms has a habit of beating up against smaller teams, so or, or worse teams, so I wouldn't wouldn't really disregard. Bit of a bit of a flat track bully, ZR Harms. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I'll I'll just say Salem. So last week when I had a look, he's in one percent of sides. Um, he's now in two percent of sides. Yeah. Um, so he's he's had a whole percentage up, um, which might not seem that significant, but when you're only at one percent, that's quite a number of sides that have jumped on um, him at that price I'll, I'll, after that's gone. Um, Jonas, have you got anything else to add? I think with the Salem pick, it's also with the lack of, not the lack, but with some of the 
the defender premiums going down. Like I think Dawson has a calf niggle. So that may have led to some people just slightly changing from Dawson to say a Salem or anyone else. So maybe it's not all about the score, but hopefully for you, he throws in a 70 this week and that 1% of teams just goes back to say a, a Lloyd or whatnot. Uh, outside of that top five, I didn't watch the match, but looking at the scores, one that really impressed and further proved why he should be in everyone's teams is Horn Francis. I think he scored an 83. Yeah. And to be yeah, able to do that in in such a poor performance in, with regards to North Melbourne shows that he's not a downhill skier in any sense and one that you can comfortably pick that even if he's playing forward time, and the team's getting decimated, he'll still find avenues to scoring. So one that I would not be leaving, will not be leaving my side at all. Outside of that, there weren't too many that caught my attention. Petrarca was mildly disappointing considering he kicked a goal or two and only scored the 110. So one that I've cooled on a bit. And as for North Melbourne, I'm not sure exactly what Taron Thomas scored, but... I have my concerns about North Melbourne as a team. And I think one of those players that it could particularly affect would be some of their midfielders like Taron Thomas, who might start to see a drop off in their predicted average of 100 back down to say early 90s because of the fact that North Melbourne aren't going to be winning too many games this year. So another one that I've almost all but crossed off my list. But other than that, there weren't too many names that stood out. I think with regards to the rookies, I think Josh Goda was pretty poor, but I'm not sure exactly how much time he spent on ground. And as for Melbourne, I don't think they had many rookies playing. And even if they did, I wouldn't be selecting any of them because Melbourne have kept their best 22 from last year. So it'd be hard to see any rookies trying to break open any spots. They, they might finally become the first side to uh, have all their premiership plays playing or a premiership side playing in a game at uh, some point down the track. Um, so uh, yeah. just to add on to your comments about Taron Thomas, um, he got 81. Um, he okay. did he play, he had 14 centre bounce attendances, um, but I think North Melbourne are expecting back some midfielders. They've got LDU, they've got Anderson, Cunnington, um, to come back in. So I think they'll definitely probably eating to his centre bounce attendances. Um, so, yeah, I think the only way Tarrant's going to sort of break out is if he adds that goal-scoring um, thing. And if he goes in the midfield, obviously he's got to impact it, um, given that he's probably going to have limits of time in there. Um, I think we've probably answered the players that surprised you and, and disappointed us. Um, and any rookies, I think we went through that. As well, um, obviously, I'll just say this now. Um, if you don't have Horn Francis in your side, um, just delete the app. Um, he will be the highest scoring rookie this year. Um, he'll go even higher than Nick Dacos. Um, and that's coming from a Collingwood supporter. Um, so the next game we've got is uh, Brisbane v Adelaide. So again, this is another very, very, very one-sided game. Um, so a couple of scores here. Um, so we've got do, 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 uh, we've got uh, Berry on 158, Neil on 144, Bailey 141, uh, McPherson 134, and McStay 123. Um, what do we think about 
picking any of these guys are Jonas. I think this is the first game where I've seen a player who was not in my team and I've I've locked them away and that's Jared Berry. He did everything I wanted him to do and more and for him to score the score he did really proves that he's the best mid-pricer possibly above, say, Cornelio for you to pick even though he's midfield only and one that won't be leaving my side until upgrade season. As for that, Otherwise, I thought Neil performed pretty well with a 144. So he's one where the, the fear of him getting plenty of forward time can be eased. He, he'll be getting enough minutes to warrant selecting him at 550K. So those two seem like pretty, very good options. And as for Bailey... It's hard to get a read on this pick because his score is quite inflated by the fact that he had multiple shots on goal against a weak Adelaide team. So one that certainly didn't put a foot wrong, but I'm still a bit uncertain about his mid-minutes considering he he spent a fair bit of time up forward to have four shots on goal as well. So one, one game I didn't watch the entirety of, but the fact that he was able to have four shots on goal implies to me at least that He's going to be spending a bit of time up forward because he's quite valuable there. So one, I may have in front of Taron Thomas at this stage, but also in saying that Heaney and Butters impressed quite a lot. And so he's still behind those two in terms of the pecking order, but I'll pass it on to Tom. Were there any other players that stood out to you? Uh, not particularly. I didn't watch the game, so I can't really give a, give a really in-depth opinion, but yeah, Barry... Uh, I know uh, we had obviously a Brisbane guest on that there was really uh, Richard that was, uh, Robert I don't know, I forgot his name but um, someone that was really keen on Barry and, and pretty much had locked him away inside I had him all preseason got rid of him and then God he scored one fifty eight he's he straight back in um, and as Jonas said he's one of the safest I think uh, mid season mid season uh, picks for sure oh, not mid season mid mid price picks for sure even a rookie rookie extended rookie price pick. Neil, I mean, just goes to show that you'd be in trouble if you don't pick him. One forty four is is ridiculous for his kind of mid mid five fifty k price. Yeah, and obviously kind of touched on Bailey, which I do have my concerns as well. I think um, he might he might be one that gets pushed into a half forward. He's such a talented, crafty half forward player that I think Brisbane will lack if he gets stuck in the midfield too often. Um, but the one that did surprise McStay is obviously irrelevant if anyone thought McStay was a pick at one twenty three points, but. Andy McPherson, 134. The reason, the only reason I say is relevant, I just popped open Instagram, and, and AFL Century is a pretty reliable source. Just posted um, the picks for the, basically the player from each side that took the most kickouts, and Andy McPherson was the one for Adelaide. Um, so that obviously could have had a big reason because Brisbane scored quite nicely. So that could have been a big reason why he scored so healthily. But 134 is a huge score for him. Um, I think he played last season the back one, which is crawled by injury and seemed to be an all right picker, uh, all right scorer before his injury took took his toll. So he's one that maybe take a little bit of a, an eye on and see if he continues his, his role as the main kickout player. Um, obviously, you've got Jordan Dawson as a bit of a, a person who could take some kickouts potentially, but even then he's playing midfield wing from from all reports and he's injured at the moment. Um, so he's one that you might want to take an eye on if you want to go crazy risky. Someone maybe for draft if, if he keeps those kickouts, but 134 is definitely impressive. But other than that, um, Rayner was a little bit disappointing. 
which was four reports, which was a bit disappointing. Um, but I'm sure it, you know, ACL, you give him a second chance. And there wasn't really anyone. I know Hinge from Adelaide is a 180k defender. Um, impressed a fair bit with his with his contested work, and I think he had eight tackles or something. So I'm assuming he would have scored 60 odd, um, which is something you definitely take with the lack of of rookies going around. But what were your thoughts, Nathan, if you watched or not, and and what are your thoughts on some of those players in the top five? Um, well, I've had Lucky Neal in my side all preseason. Um, I, I just think he's right to go back up, and I'm just on here now. I'm just on the Herald Sun now um, with the reviews, and do, 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 here is. Um, it just says that uh, he did spend some time forward, um, but he also had 22 centre bounce attendances, which was a game high, um, and he also added two goals. So. Um, look, I think you can pick him with confidence. Um, the only thing I am a little bit concerned about is if he does go forward, he probably has to impact the scoreboard um, to get those sort of mega 140 scores um, like he did in this game. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think at 543,000, um, I think he can definitely um, be a top 10 midfielder. Um, as for the other ones, um, I do currently have a mid-pricer in my midfield. It's not currently Barry, um, but I'm probably going to perhaps do a danger here and change that into Barry um, based on what you guys have said and based on what I've read. That um, Yeah, I think he looks right to uh, go into that midfield role um, and obviously he can impact the scoreboard. So, um, yeah, I think at 268k, I think he probably is the best mid-pricer at this stage. Um, there might be another one who we might talk about later that might trump him, um, but obviously they're a bit more expensive. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think just lucky Neil, really. Um, I was just glad he got through and had a high score. Um, so any rookies from this game worth noting, Jonas? I think Wilmot was one that was somewhat interesting, but the fact he got suspended... <laughs> He'll be missing round one, so you can automatically throw oh. him away. Uh, apart from that, yeah, Hinge put in a good performance, so one to to potentially consider. But the fact he has an elevated price might mean you squeeze him out. But he has that scoring potential, and in the back line, one that you can probably field at D5 or D6, so that's certainly an option. Apart from that, Rochelle, a was the other one that really impressed me. He scored three goals and put in a compelling performance. And currently I have him in my side based on, on the fact that I think he scored 80 something. He's got some good job security and the fact he was able to still kick three goals in a, t in a side that was basically getting smashed uh, says a lot about the potential he has. And given the fact Sloan and Dawson should come back, that should provide him with further opportunity to get the ball so one that I've considered but he's sort of competing with the likes of Will Brody who put on a surprise performance and then some of the others around 220k so he might still not find his way into my team but one that certainly pressed his case for selection outside of that there was no one else just having a quick look at the list Saligo and Pedlo were pretty underwhelming, so I wouldn't be picking them. And yeah, that's that's all the rookies. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Um, so obviously, um, someone who's back long-term injury, Cam Rayner. Um, what, what do you guys think? I'm really torn with him. Um, I think if he plays in the midfield, I think he can be a bit of a steal at that price, but it's just that ACL factor coming back. Um, there's very quickly, uh, Cam Rayner, yes or no, uh, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, no, for me, I had him originally. I might be a little bit sucked in the hype with his potential. Obviously, huge potential. Uh, he's someone that what doesn't surprise me at all. He didn't really light the house on fire. Someone that didn't really score too great with his points per minute. Someone that obviously can, can score huge as well. He's an exciting player. But I think there's better options. As, as Jonas mentioned, Brody's a pretty enticing option at 220 if he, if he steps it up again. With a Monday and Fife in that setup, and obviously Kerno as well is the potential to score big as a forward. So he's one that you save 50k if you go the other two, but I wouldn't blame you for picking him um, if he goes gangbusters round one and, and really stamps his return to AFL. But as I said, it, it could be a load management thing as well with his ACL has been such a nasty injury to come back from. Um, something that Brisbane will be ultra cautious with to make sure it doesn't happen again with another nasty injury to him. Are you the same, Jonas, a hard no on Rainer? I wouldn't say hard no because similar. I think he's similar to the Gresham mold in the fact that it might just be the fact that he was just getting managed into the game. But I think he scored 40. So he'd have to put up a pretty convincing score next game for me to consider him, especially because he's at an elevated price. So you'd have to expect him to outscore your Brodies, your Kernos, your Rochelles by five to 10 points to make the same sort of money. And so he'd have to really prove to me that he's going to be playing predominantly midfield and that his game time is going to be high as well, because otherwise I'd rather save 50 to 60,000 and get someone who I think is going to score at least on par to Rayner who doesn't have the durability concerns, for instance, Will Brody, and will make me more money. Fair enough. Um, yeah, obviously, I'm probably the same thing. I have had him, um, but, yeah, I think just watching him, um, I think he's going to get managed quite a lot throughout the season. So, um, yeah, I think I will probably say goodbye to Kim, I think, there. Um, so next game, so Gold Coast versus Port Adelaide. Um, I'll just say here, I'm a little bit concerned with Port Adelaide. Um, I know it's only a practice match, but I'm just looking on here now. Um, and basically, they only had three of their best players missing. Um, and Gold Coast here have got a whole list of players, and obviously Gold Coast won. Um, so that, that's a little bit that's a little bit concerning for my end. Um, I know it's only on our signing practice matches, um, but obviously, you know, you still want to put, you know, a, a stamp on the season um, and, you know, get get your stuff off to a good start. Um, so top scores here are, so Zach Butters, 167, uh, Took Miller, 140, Wines, 121, Rail, 118, and Darcy Byrne-Jones on 113. Um, I'll start with you, Thomas. Uh, any consideration for any of these players? Um, I mean, I've got Butters at, at F2, lock the key away, throw it, whatever you have to do with it. He's he's locked in my side for the immediate future. Um, I saw bits and pieces of that Port uh, Gold Coast game, and every time I I had it on, it pretty much butted the ball. So 
you know, who knows if he if he gets tagged or if he gets some attention to him. He's such a creative midfielder, but when he's fit and firing, he's so important to that Port midfielder, it seems like. Um, Miller's definitely, a, I wouldn't say a POD by any means, but someone that has a lot less attention compared to the likes of McCray and Oliver. I know Jonas is very keen on um, and just shows why he won 40 against the Port, Port midfield. very impressive. Wines is someone that 121 doesn't surprise me. It'd be interesting to see how many possessions he got, but he's one that just really struggles to crack into that 140 consistently. Um, but one, obviously, if you want to go completely different, is he's someone that you wouldn't, I wouldn't um, shine away from. But Matty Rowley is, is someone a little bit interesting. I think he had 18 disposals and, and five tackles or something like that. Yeah, uh, seven tackles. Yeah, so I think 15 of the 18 were contested, hence why his score was quite impressive. If you can continue that into the next JLT, and it, it seems like he's, he's gotten back his mojo um, from his pretty significant injury. So if you can get his mojo back into the second JLT or the, or the next you know, JLT game, it'd be taken into much heavier consideration. Um, and Darcy Byrne-Jones, I wouldn't be too concerned about him. He's, I'm, I'm assuming he got a lot of, a lot of intercepts and a lot of uh, chip marks um, with Gold Coast, pretty pretty dodgy forward 50 entries. But anything, anything to add there, Jonas, with uh, some pretty heavy hitters score-wise with this game? One player who wasn't really on my radar, who, who did impress, he took 11 of the 19 kickouts and he's a forward-listed player, around 400k, Lockie Weller. Now, one that I will keep on my radar because the ball went down into the Gold Coast defence quite a lot and the fact he'll be taking multiple kickouts a game, no Jack Bowes, I'm not sure how he impacts Lockie Weller's scoring in the long-term future, but he could be an interesting pod pick given the fact he's 50k cheaper than your other usual forwards, one that I wouldn't necessarily scoff at because he'd be getting very many free points. And the fact he's a really good kick and distributor out of the out of the Gold Coast back line, I think he'll be sought after. But he'd have to put in another really convincing performance in this week's match for me to consider him. But in saying that, it's going to be tough to fit him in into my forward line, given the fact that I do still have Butters and Haney above him. So one that if I have the extra cash and can upgrade, say, a 220K Kerno or the like up to a Weller, one that I wouldn't necessarily hate because he'll be getting a lot of free points. And we saw last year with Jack Bowes how well he started the year by being able to just kick the ball out. And so one that... I'd keep my eyes on. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll just, I'll just give my own thoughts. So, um, Budgers, um, I'd probably have to get him in now. Um, I think one sixty-seven. I think most of that was through the midfield. Um. So, um. Yeah. Obviously, I think if you're playing midfield at that price, I think you'd pick him. Um. The other one I've got. So I was speaking about um Bailey. Um. Is it Bailey from? No, Barry from Brisbane. Um, so I've actually got Rowley in there now in that sort of M5 spot. Um, bit of a out there pick, um, but um, obviously it didn't let me down with 118. Not not that the scoring counts at this stage. Um, but yeah, I think if he can get back to his best, I think he can definitely get up. I think like 
if I look at the two, like, do you guys think Barry can sort of average 115 for a whole year? Um, I, I personally don't think he'll average 115, no, but I think he'll average around 100, which should get him to at least the early 400s. And if I was tossing up, if Barry and Rao were the same price, it would be pretty difficult to, to differentiate them. But the fact that Barry's... 70 to 80,000 cheaper really gives him the edge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So. Um, and yeah, obviously, and um, Darcy Byrne Jones, I think, is a rookie we've all had in the past. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be that relevant, uh, super coach wise this season. Um, any players who surprised or disappointed you? Um, so obviously I'm disappointed that uh, Robbie Gray wasn't on this list as a top five forward. Um, not sure what his score was. Um, I can probably go and find that out at some point. But um, uh, by all reports, he got through the game unscathed, so he's still in my side at F2. Um, any other players that are surprised or disappointed you? Uh, Thomas, I'll throw to you first on this one from this yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, Weller's one that definitely impressed. He's, he's 400k, definitely someone that could be a POD option um, if he continues to get those kickouts. He's one that I think will rely heavily on those kickouts to score. I don't think he did much else with regards to scoring. Obviously, you know, if he, if he did a lot of stuff around the ball, what you'd expect an 100-plus score or 110-plus score with, with the amount of kickouts he had. So it's a little bit concerning. But other than that, I'd be pretty, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores quite well. Um, and with the forward, forward line, you'd, you'd be happy with a 90 average. Essentially, the other rookie that really impressed, uh, not really impressed, but, but Sin did okay. Um, probably enough to get him over the line round one. Apparently butchered the ball a little bit, but that's to be expected with the rookie. Uh, but one that, if he plays round ones, are pretty much a lock. He's got defensive mid eligibility. And, and one that's definitely impressed in, in previous um, previous encounters in their practice matches. How about you, Jonas, just to wrap up? Uh, this game. I can't believe, I can't believe neither of you've mentioned him. But um, Alex Davies, oh, did yeah. really well. He scored around a hundred points and one that sort of shot out of nowhere. And if he keeps that sort of role and that sort of scoring up, I obviously don't think he'll be scoring one hundred each week. But he's a big-bodied midfielder who was able to kick a few nice goals. So one that. I could potentially be able to squeeze in, but he'd be competing with the likes of Dylan Stevens at, yeah. for that M8 spot. You wouldn't put him at M9. I don't like the idea of having 200,000 on the bench. So one that has shot into calculations for me, but you'd have to put in another good solid performance before I'd have to, before I'd fit him into my side. But in saying that also, even if he does that and Dylan Stevens also puts in, a good score, it'd be tough to to spend an extra 30K, especially this year when 30,000, usually I find we're starting a year, I might have 40 or 50,000 in the bank, but this year I think I'm going to be using a lot of that money because there's so many good options that you can pay up for. So might be one I have to squeeze out, but certainly worth a look at. Yeah, no. And just... Just, just on that as well, um, Jonas, about you, sort of your conundrum now. Nick, Nick Dacos, who I have no doubt we'll talk about in the Collingwood game, uh, he's, he's 10K cheaper than Davies. So 
Um, for, like in my situation, I think I'd have to get rid of one of Horn Francis or Dacos to get him in. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable with doing that. No, um, no. personally myself. Yeah. Um. So, um, we are going to take a break now, um, <laughs> and we will be back soon. Yeah, we'll see how we go, and uh, we got yeah four more games left, so we'll uh, catch you catch you in a bit. Welcome back, listeners. Um, we just had a quick break and a quick turnaround, and we're back for the last four without uh, without Nathan here to duck off uh, for the rest of the pod. But um, it's just me and myself, uh, myself and Jonas, just to, to rattle off the last four teams uh, for for matches. So the next one was pretty much a lopsided affair between Frio and West Coast. I think West Coast are in for a real real struggle with half their midfield gone and Nick tapping to no one in particular. But uh, yeah, the top five obviously Friedrich. 144, that was with five goals or whatever he scored. Brayshaw, 139. Crowd and 130. Will Brody, 120. Lloyd Meek, 115. The big one in here was, uh, this is, I believe, these score, these other scores were from Fantasy. I couldn't actually find the other Super Coach scores. But Sarong had 26 CBAs, 25 disposals, only 80 Fantasy. I think he ended up on 83 or something. And Nick Nat struggled with about 45-odd Fantasy. Um, what are your thoughts on those ones, Jonas? The, just the standout. Um, takeaways from those kind of names that I've just reeled off to you? Yeah, I think Nick Nutt almost raises himself as a selection just due to the amount of injuries that his teammates have. Brayshaw impressed, but with the amount of good midfield premiums available, I'm not sure it's still good enough of a score to make me pick him. And then Will Brody's a really interesting one. There was no Monday or five playing, but the fact he scored 120 in in a winning side, obviously, but as a forward at 220k, it really interests me and one that I hadn't really considered given some of the the bad rumours that were coming out of his off-season. But the fact he was able to put in such a four-quarter performance, if he can back that up again this week with their full-strength midfield, he'll be one I'll be I'll definitely be picking if he scores anywhere near that vicinity. But other than those guys, was there any who maybe didn't score in the top five that still impressed you? Um, not particularly. I mean, Sarong was one that, that definitely looked lively. He looked pretty much everywhere. So disposal efficiency might be a reason or, or just not contested footy or, or things like that that kind of you don't really consider when you're watching someone live. But, yeah, definitely Will Brody was one that definitely impressed. It was really clean around the footy, um, provided a real big body in there. So whether or not they persist with him in the midfield or that he ends up on a half-forward line or, or rotates forward with Fife and, Bra- uh, Fife and uh, Mundy Brayshaw is is yet to be seen. I know O'Driscoll did a, did a few good things for um, for for Frio, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's around one selection. He's a pretty much a lock in everyone's size at the moment. The other one, Connor West, I know you mentioned him in previous podcast, Jonas. He's 240k forward. Um, he was in the midfield, obviously, for, for injury's sake. He was There was basically no one else in that midfield left. Him and T. Kelly were running the show, and unfortunately, he really didn't do much. He was kind of chasing the ball a lot of the time, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up scoring, say, his 60 to 70s, just purely because there's no other points to hand around to the West Coast players. Um, but we'll pretty much... We won't worry too much about the rest of the rookies for, for the rest of these teams just because we've got Spillers podcast coming up later this week, and we'll go a lot more into depth in in basically all the relevant rookies um, that you could ask for in Supercoach. But um, we'll move on to, to Sydney GWS, the, the Western Derby down 
at um, Sydney. So we've got a few relevant players here. This is um, obviously fantasy scores. We weren't able to get our hands in time on the Supercoach scores, but you know, somewhat relevant was was Whitfield 134, Coniglio 114, Chad Warner playing a full time mid role, pretty much 106, uh, Luke Parker. 104, Jake Lloyd, 82, Dylan Stevens was quite impressive with 74, and, and Isaac Heaney played, I think, about 60% game time, 60% mid-time was, was about 59. Um, what are your thoughts on that, just in general? Are you worried about um, Heaney in any sense? And I believe just in the last couple of hours, um, Tom Papley is out for three to four weeks with an injury. Does that give you a bit of concern with, with Heaney potentially meaning that he pushes forward? I know that another forward in Will Haywood is one that could just step into that role. But are you concerned at all about Henny having to push back forward with that injury to Tom Papley? Not overly. I think it might lead to him resting, say, an extra few minutes up forward. But I don't think it would impact his scoring too heavily. And the fact that Papley should be back by around three to four means that Henny's scoring shouldn't be affected by too long for too long if it is affected at all. And the fact he scored 16 roughly 60% game time is another good indication for me. As for the others, I think Whitfield and Cornelio definitely have proven why their ownership is so high. Whitfield, I wasn't 100% certain on, but he just reminded me of his ceiling. And at 500K as a defender, one that you probably have to almost pick. And Dylan Stevens with a 74 fan, AFL fantasy is another one that didn't do anything wrong, didn't set the world on fire, but I think the role is there, similar with Davies, good role. Um, so that those two are sort of competing for my last mid-spot. As for Lloyd, I didn't watch the game, but an 82 is pretty mediocre, but that also fills me with some sort of confidence that should I not select him come round one, he shouldn't hurt me too much. But in saying that, he could come out and score one for 40 and make me look foolish. <laughs> but one that I think you can go without to start the year and hope he dips a bit in price and then select him around the bars. But out of those names or any others, were there any that stood out to you as potential picks in your team? Uh, I mean, not really. Not No one that really steps into the team um, as someone that I don't have originally. Uh, Lloyd is one that I got rid of because of price. He might come back in. Uh, he's one that I'm a little bit nervy with not having, but uh, scoring 82 is one that either he's building into a big season or, or he just kind of stagnates to the kind of scoring he was last year, which was kind of obviously very good, but disappointing for his high price point. Um, not averaging super high as he would have used to. But the other one that I'll touch on quickly before we move on to Collingwood Hawthorne is, is Pruce, who we had a we had a question from a guy on Instagram who asked us about Pruce R2, which is, I guess, a conundrum that a lot of people are having. Um, from all reports, he ended up on like 50-odd, which isn't terrible, and he had 25 and a quarter. So it's one that he, he seems to score quite well when he was on. Um, but I guess just a word, of war, a word of caution as well, Flynn is, is obviously still on the side and playing pretty well. So you'd obviously have to wait at least another JLT game to make a decision then, but it's one that could really spice up uh, round one if, if Proust dominates the next game and everyone starts picking him at R2, but I guess time will tell for sure. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll speak more about that on the rookie pod as well. I mean, he's obviously not a rookie, but someone in that cheaper price point. 
and someone that we'll definitely talk about um, towards round one. But to quickly finish off the last two teams, which are not heavily super coach relevant, um, Pies and Hawthorne. So these are game with the fantasy scores from the website for the following two games. So it's Shields 128, Sicily 94, uh, T Flip 94, Blake Hardwick 88, Warpool 85. Max Lynch was quite surprising with 85 as an early 200k player. Um, Jamie Elliott. 90, but that's without Dugowie, just to keep uh, listeners in mind with that one. Finn McRae, 73. However, I don't think he came on until quite late in the piece and, and dominated against Hawthorne then. But Lipinski, another one which was actually quite surprising considering he was one of the lead disposal getters um, throughout the match. He ended up with 68. But what are your thoughts on those one, Jonas? If anyone that either... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Sicily's the main one with regards to team and maybe Finn McRae, but being a... Being a pie supporter, is there one that surprises you out of the books or, or pretty happy with, with what's happened and, and not really tempted by anything in those picks? Yeah, Lipinski was the one that did tempt me a bit. I think the 68 is a bit disproportionate. I think he played a better game than what that score indicates. Outside of Lipinski, I think Grundy showed why he was such a popular selection. I think he had a firm grasp on that game. And I'm not sure what Jack Chris scored, but I think he had the 17 disposals. So one that I'm still happy to select given he played, I think, only the three quarters. Yeah. And outside of that, in terms of the rookie front, McInnes came on late, which is a concern because he was playing in our seconds team. So one that might hopefully come in at some stage in the year. I think he, he, it will come in. It's just a matter of when but probably not round one. Charlie Dean really impressed, and I can't see why he wouldn't play round one. He played also the first three quarters, which is a good sign. Unlike McRae or Poulter, so I wouldn't be going near Finn McRae or Poulter if you were that way inclined for some reason. As for the Hawthorne rookies, Josh Ward was pretty mediocre in my opinion. One I'm not going to be paying 180000 for because I just think there are better better sort of players in terms of Supercoach scoring at that same sort of price range. And Connor McDonald put in a sound performance, so he's certainly put his hand up for a round one stint. So at 117,000, I believe it is, one yeah. that I've put on my bench and hope he plays. But outside of those names, were there any names that perked your interest, whether that be rookie, mid-price or a premium? Yeah, not really. I think just looking on the AFL website, Chris ended up on, on 57 or something like that. It's not terrible for immune standards. You know what you're going to expect from him from a week-to-week basis, just consistent scoring. Um, and out of the rookies, McDonald and Ward, I know Ward was the one that was the highest scorer with, with regards to AFL Fantasy on 61. I think McDonald ended up on 49. Ward, I know George uh, tweeted, tweeted out that his disposal efficiency was pretty poor, so it could be one of those scenarios where he's just scored because of kicks and shit kicks and, and handballs, which have gone nowhere in fantasy and just scored okay. But apparently McDonald did a few good things around the ground, which is nice to see, and he's he's obviously 60K cheaper. Uh, Finn McGinnis from Hawthorne came late in the piece as well. He's one that I just don't think, I mean, um, he could be one that I just don't think doesn't score very well for, for fantasy sports in general. Pretty contested player, minimal kind of possession getter, it seems like, just real... Hard at it, contest no fuss, and, and, and just score is very minimalistic. Um, and an elevated price point is just a bit unfortunate. If he was maybe 117, it'd be a different story. Uh, but other than that, I think 
you know, Sicily's the one that I was looking closely at, and he seemed to be at his back to his best. He was down back, um, general as usual, and if he's if he's kept there, then then for sure it might be an interesting selection. Um, the only issue is is that they've got a few guys in that side that are taking kickouts from last season. So whether or not he takes all the kickouts is yet to be seen, um, or if they share it a, share it around a fair bit, and then it could be kind of a situation where some points get taken off Sicily. But um, the final game in this in this Pracky game was with Geelong and Richmond, so another close encounter over six quarters. Unfortunately, those last two quarters were just filled with VFL players. But but the big name being Jaden Short was everywhere in the first half. He did slow down a little bit, but not as slow as I thought it was because he ended up on 133. This is AFL Fantasy, by the way. Um, I think he lost and scored 113. I think he took a fair few kickouts late in the piece as well when Short was resting. Jason Castagna, 109, pretty irrelevant. Dusty, back to his best with regards to 100. Uh, Tyson Stengel set the light on fire with in the forward line with 90. Uh, Narkel, 88, seems to be taking a bit of mid, mid-time with some aging aging Geelong mids. Then you've got Dangerfield and Stewart, reliable as ever, 84, 83. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. As I said, these are fantasy scores only. Um, we just missed out on those super coach ones. So I'm assuming there might be slight deviation, but pretty similar. I know Stewart's one that definitely scores better in Supercoach. I didn't think he ended up on like 117 or, or it was 110 plus. But what are your thoughts on, on Richmond Geelong? I know there's not that many Supercoach relevant players. Obviously, pretty talented AFL players on those two teams. But is someone, to put it bluntly, is Short is someone that obviously you weren't too flush about um, preseason. But is someone that, because he scored so well, do you reckon he makes your way into side with, with someone like Dawson going out with an injury? Or is he someone that you just still won't pick um, in general? I doubt I'll pick him, but he was basically involved in every defensive chain, particularly early on. So I couldn't argue against you if you decided to go down that route, given his durability, the no-hooly factor, and the fact that he, he should be getting a bit more of the ball now that Richmond are slowly on the decline. As for Stewart, he also really impressed me, but... The fact he's got that lingering issue with regards to his foot does give me a bit concerned. And the fact he's 585,000 means yeah. I don't want to be picking a player where I'm not quite sure. Although he looked completely over the injury, don't get me wrong. The fact that that could still potentially linger at some stage and reappear doesn't fill me with a whole lot of optimism. As for that, as for the other players, Sting will put in a good performance, but he's quite expensive for a small forward, so one I probably won't touch. And Dusty, I won't go near. He usually likes to score the occasional big score, so I'm not going to be baited yeah. into that. Um, Dangerfield, I mean, you could go worse. There's some upside at the pick, but the fact that he's so old now... Durability question marks. I don't know why I contemplate the pick. If he was a forward, I I don't I still don't think I would pick him to be honest. Uh were there any rookies or mid prices that perked your interest or yeah. I mean, really? always one that looked really lively, um, kicked four goals, which obviously impacted his score a fair bit and was one of Geelong's better players, obviously at a really awkward price point. With regards to rookies, obviously we'll go more in detail later this week. Um, but Gibkiss didn't really look uh, too bad down that defensive line. Could just get a lot of intercept marks and a lot of pill down there with a, with a really young Richmond lineup. Short's an interesting one just because every ball went through him, it seemed like. Um, 
But as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they go as far as someone putting a bit of attention on short as well, just because everything goes through him. So, you know, it could be a it could be a case where you stop short, you stop Richmond's defensive line, it almost seems like. Um, another one is is Thompson Dow was was mentioned by a few people on the socials. Um that as an option, he played I think a fair bit mid time, but you gotta remember that Cochin and, and Graham weren't in that in that starting mid. And you got Presti still still firming for that. Um, but he's someone that I wouldn't really look into too much unless he played in the midfield again with, with the likes of Cochin and Graham and scored pretty well. But just before we wrap it up, Jonas, um, someone that is seemingly seemingly taking over uh Hawley's role, and that's uh, Hugo Ralph Smith. Um also, we didn't have Dan Riol in there, so who knows? I don't think it'll impact Ralph Smith that much. But he seemed to be okay. He didn't score huge numbers, but he scored consistently. And for 200K, he's definitely the cheapest out of those 200K forwards. What are your thoughts on Ralph Smith? And he's someone that uh, is entering, entering your thinking with regards to picking him. He's one player I'm going to really monitor next week or next game. And if he puts in a good performance, I'll be selecting him because of the role. But I do have my concerns with... Obviously, Rioli, and the fact he's a second-year player, I'm not sure what his primary position was last year, but it must have been some sort of forward time because he's forward eligible. So the fact that he's switching into a defence role leaves me a bit uneasy because I'm not sure how much familiarity he has with the role, but it's a pretty friendly role. And the fact he's playing at Richmond, a team who likes to chip and chop the ball in the back half, May, may make him a really good cash cow option, but he will be competing with Rochelle, Brody, Kerno, and whoever else I find interesting at that sort of price. So one that I think this practice match is going to really determine whether or not you should go with him. But other than that, not too many rookies really stood out. I think... Sam DeConning will play round one, but his scoring is atrocious. So he's a good uh, DPP swing with a Keaton Coleman if you go with him and want to stick on your bench. But I think that's all we got time for with regards to reviewing the Amy or intra-club, not intra-club, practice matches. Is there anything you'd like to add on to that, Tom? Yeah, not really. Um, I think we pretty much covered most bases with regards to primos and things like that. It's one that, you know, you obviously got to take with a grain of salt as well. It's a pracky game. A lot of the top teams don't really put too much emphasis on it and they just want their players to get through unscathed. It's something that St Kilda really wanted to do considering we lost half our team in that pracky game last year. I know Hunter Clark got, got shafted, you know, halfway through a pracky game. So it's one that obviously teams, A, want to play well, but B, want to have a solid hit out and obviously get their players unscathed. Obviously, the JLT games coming this week are going to be a much bigger indicator, and I think we'll get live scores as well with Supercoach, which is definitely handy, rather than trying to hunt some of these some of these dodgy scores down, because I know some of these scores are pretty skewed, because I know some individuals like Fantasy Freako and, and guys like that um, have put a fair bit of time and effort into to hunting down these approximate scores, which is really appreciative, but obviously can be a little bit skew if at times and, and, and that's could you know impact the way we, we view a few players. Um, but just before we wrap up, we've just got a few announcements to make with regards to how uh, we're setting up before round one. Um, we've obviously had our two head-to-head leagues. I think our second one's got a few spots available. So um, you've just got to listen to the previous podcast to find out the code for that. We'll be announcing any codes if we don't fill up before round one. But the main one... 
which we had originally opened to our you know Discord server. It's a pretty small server um, at the moment. Just building our community up is our cash league. So essentially, what that is is um, it's a ten dollar buy in. So obviously, over eighteen to participate, or if you're under eighteen, then get your parents' permission um, to get your ten dollars. But yeah, mainly over eighteen, obviously for that for that reason. Um, but yeah, cash league winners will be essentially just a head tagly, but with with ten dollar buy in. And then there'll be top four overall will get uh, divvied up prizes, so ranging from $10 for fourth place to $100 for first place. So a bit of fun and a bit more competition on the line for, for some of you that take a super coach a bit more seriously. Um, and then we got our Spillers podcast on Friday, so really happy that Spillers um, able to get some time out of his busy schedule to pop down and, and help us out with some of those rookie selections that are proving pretty difficult at the moment for some. And the other big announcement is we're, we're in the works of getting... Um, this podcast onto YouTube as well as a video format, a bit of an, a, a visual format for you listeners out there who who like to see some stats visually and, and obviously gives us an opportunity to show us show us your teams around one. So whether we'll kind of test it out with this podcast and see how we go with YouTube or be something that we we'll definitely bring out before one, but keep your eyes on that. We'll be uh, onto the socials when that gets announced as well. But uh, for until now, um, enjoy the JLT games this week. It, it's definitely one that um you want to look out for especially with live scoring and as as close to round one teams you get from all the 18 teams and uh we'll see you for the for the rookie podcast later this week